Revolutionary.org podcast coming your way, episode 542. This is a very important episode. Today we're going to be talking about the mind of champions. Can you use their habits to make you better? So let's take a look at some of the things that champions, when it comes to fitness and bodybuilding, use. And, you know, some of these guys, you know, they, they've talked about it. We've seen Arnold talk about it. We've seen Tom Brady talk about it. No matter what sport you're in, no matter if you're doing bodybuilding or anything else, soccer players, basketball players, football players, doesn't matter. They all do certain things to make them successful. While others who have all the talent in the world, who they, they struggle and they end up out of, you know, out of it. So let's take the, the first one is really important. And this is one that a lot of people need to do a better job with, especially in America. Okay. Um, be positive and be grateful. Because look, I know so many people, they're just depressed. They mope around. They hate their life. They hate waking up in the morning. And look, if you're going to have that type of mentality, you'll never be successful at anything. You won't be successful in your career. You won't be successful in fitness. You won't be successful at building the body you want. You got to be positive. You got to be grateful. Let's start with let's start with being grateful. Do you have two legs? Do you have two feet? Do you have two arms? Then right off the bat, you're already ahead of the game when it comes to fitness. Do you have eyes? Do you do you have nose do you have a mouth i mean can you you know what i'm saying like there's so many people out there they can't even walk um i went to a, a 5k race one time and there was this person who was missing a limb they were ex-military and they served the country and they came back here and they ran a 5k and they, they, they they did great in the 5k i think they ran the 5k like in 27 28 minutes that's an amazing time for even people with two legs. And he was running on a prosthetic. You know, I mean, just be grateful for what you have. And even in his case, I'm sure he feels more grateful than people with two legs. Because he's like, wow, I'm grateful that I survived the war. Even though I lost the leg, I'm still grateful that I'm alive and I can still enjoy things. And because life is too short. So if you got to start there, just start with the, the, the roots of being positive and being grateful for what you have. You have a roof over your head. You can eat whatever you want, whenever you want. You have water that comes out of your faucet. You can take a hot shower five times a day. You can take a hot shower and it's not a big deal. People around the world don't even have that. They don't even have water to take a shower. I mean, they don't have food. They can't eat a steak. They'll, they, if they eat a steak, that's like something they can eat maybe once a year. At most, you can eat a steak every day if you want. So be grateful for what you got and good things will happen and be positive. Every day when you wake up, think of five things you're grateful for. It could be something as simple. I don't care if you're struggling financially. It could be something as simple as I have two legs. I'm grateful I have two legs. I'm grateful that my heart functions good. A lot of people, they have heart problems and they can't even get out of bed because they have heart problems. So you've got to change your mentality on that. All the successful people out there, they're always positive and they're always grateful for what they got. It's a domino effect and it's a magnet of positivity that comes your way. And a lot of that could be getting rid of some of your bonehead friends that you're hanging out with who are negative. You go want to go to the bar every day after work and everyone wants to be negative and drink themselves to death. That's going to bring you down, too. So you just start hanging out with people who are more positive as well. 
So also talk a little bit about that and get into some of the other ones that we got to be doing. Right. So let me give you a couple of examples, guys, of uh, reasons to be grateful. One specifically, Stephen, I actually saw this in a gym meme. There's a gym memes page on Facebook and it come up with a list and it said, do you realize, for example, if you can bench press 200 pounds, you're probably in the top 10% of everybody in the whole world, Steve. How many people can bench press 200 pounds? If you're bench pressing 300 pounds, you're in the top 5%, maybe even the top 1%. And then you start to get into the big numbers. And I've actually been guilty of this in my own particular way and had to be reminded to, to, to take something from it and be grateful. I wrote down on a training log that I kept on a, on a, on a grip page, on a grip forum, that I'd had a really kind of crappy day in the gym and it could have been better or something like that. And the person replied, a person, I remember said, your worst day would be my best day ever. Now, of course, my mindset at the time was to win competitions and get world records and take home the trophy and dust off to the space and make another room for another trophy and a medal, whatever. But they were right. Now, of course, I need to be hungry, which we will get into, but equally, I need occasionally to be reminded that my worst day or what I thought was a bad day was actually a really, really, really good day for pretty much every other member. 99 whatever percent of the members on that forum would have loved my worst day. So there was a definite reminder. The other one, quickly on this subject, was I, I used, I've done this a few times on my page on Facebook, and I've shared photographs of, as you said, disabled athletes doing absolutely crazy things. And I think one that made the rounds for ages, and it was one of those assault course type things where you're covered in mud and you're swinging on ropes and whatever else, and the guy had no legs. And so he was, he was covered with all this kit that he had to wear and it included some sort of breathing mask because of course he's that much lower to the ground he's going to be in the water he's going to be getting the mud splashed into his face way worse than the other guys he's wearing gloves and elbow pads and stuff and he's surrounded by a bunch of other guys at the beginning of the course and my i used to post these up saying what is your excuse today his mindset was to go out there and get on with it so you know we sometimes need to be reminded as you say steve to be grateful to literally being able to breathe and walk about and do stuff that not everybody else can do, never mind the food and the showers and stuff that Steve said, which is so true, so true. What about the champion mindset for myself? I mean, one of the ones that Steve and I have uh, talked about in a pre-show is what we call no limits. So there's a moment, like I said earlier on, where sometimes what I've done is great compared to everybody else, but it's I, my mind has to be, especially when I was full-blown competing or whatever, it had to be of a, in order for me to, break a record Steve I have to have my mind in a place where I'm doing something that no one else especially in competition there might be some person living in the woods in Russia that maybe does what I do they don't know it's a record but as far as I know in competition no one has done what I think I'm going to be able to do or what I would like to be able to do what I'm training to be able to do so I have to have my mind in a different place I have to think in such a way I do everything else, which we'll get into as well, to get myself physically there. But my mind has to say that my skin might tear. I might break a bone in my hand. I might tear tendons in my bicep. Something might happen to, to put it crudely, guys, fuck myself up. And I almost have to switch those kind of limits and uh, behavior things that we would normally do off. It's the reason why in reality, in human life and normal stuff, if we go to the edge of a cliff, most of us, we might get right, right close, guys. We might even lay, I would probably lay on the ground sleep with a mirror. I probably wouldn't get to the edge of the cliff. And yet, joke, joking aside, 
there were other people that were standing there quite happily, toes over the edge, not a problem. Now, I would say that I wouldn't do that when if it comes to a cliff. But I've done that within some of my competitive behavior patterns, some of my mindset patterns has been, let's take it to the edge. Or in my case, let's jump over the edge physically. And hopefully I've prepared myself in such a way physically that nothing happens and I get the world record. Thus, I've told this story before, guys. There are records of mine that, because the rules have changed, probably won't be broken. But I also had the mindset of the limit that was the limit at the time when I did it will probably be broken by someone else who fought the way that I did, had the mindset of a champion to push themselves beyond what Mobster did. He put himself in a different place to where I went to to get there. So having that no limits, which we can prepare for in a kind of way, is important, Steve. Back to you. So the next podcast we're going to do, which is going to be episode 543, kind of ties into this one. But this is very important for us to get into this is don't worry what others think, just handle your business. And the best way you can accomplish this one, and maybe a lot of people you know, aren't going to like this, but get the hell off of social media. Because social media is fake. People act completely different on social media. I used to train with a bunch of people, okay? And some of these people were pretty well-known, all right? And I've known them in the gym. They were acquaintances. And some of them I got really close to and we would train together, right? And their Facebook page or their uh, Instagram or whatever was completely different from their actual personality in person. In fact, it even looked the same as their social media page. So if you're following people on social media and they're influencing you, because that's what they're called influencers, and they're influencing you to feel a certain way or do something, and, and they're basically shaming you into how to, how, and, and on how you're supposed to feel about things. It's really bizarre the way you can get sucked into this, but it's social media, you know, is addictive and people, they, they get addicted to it and they seem to think they seem to develop like multiple personalities. And this is not good, you know, and this is going to affect your training. It's going to stress you out and it's just completely unnecessary. It's counterproductive. So the best thing you can do is just get the hell off of social media and stop following these people, you know, and like on like you know, just keep keep a handful of people that you follow. Don't follow like a thousand people and and get bombarded and make sure you're following the right people who aren't going to negatively influence you. But when you go to the gym, you know, don't worry about trying to impress people. Don't worry about you know trying to make that no, nobody cares. Like nobody cares. I always laugh at people that they go to the gym and they, they put on a bunch of weight and they try to do heavy weight and they're grunting and they're trying to show off themselves. You've got to get away from that and just focus on handling your business. When you go to the gym, get in there, handle your business and leave. And don't be one of those people that takes their phone with them and snaps a bunch of pictures so you can put it on your social media. All right. That's, you know, I mean, come on. I mean, that's, you've got to, you've got to mature past that. There's going to be a, a point in your life where you mature past that. I don't know when it's going to be. It could be in your late 20s. It could be in your 30s. It could be in your 40s. I don't know when it's going to be. But if you're still like in your late 30s and your 40s and you're still going to the gym and taking pictures to post on your fucking Facebook or Instagram, then it's getting in the way of your own progression. 
Like, let's be honest about so. Now, the difference is like if you're doing a log or if you're doing a diary or something, that's completely different. All right. But if you're just doing that just to show off. But if you're doing it to kind of see your progression, a mobster is kind of get it going to get into journaling and doing diaries and stuff. That's actually a tool that's to your advantage. But if you're doing it to show off to people, that's a whole nother ballgame. So, look, bottom line is, you know, just like anything in life. There's many more millionaires out there, okay? In America, we have a ton, a ton of millionaires, okay? It's ridiculous the amount of millionaires we have. But most of them, you won't even know they're millionaires because they don't show off. They still live a modest lifestyle. And they're, by, by you know, a lot of people, they just call them cheapskates and they call them misers and all this stuff. But in reality, they don't show off because they don't care. They don't care. They don't need other people to know that they're wealthy, they just yeah. want to keep a low profile. They're the types of people who drive Hondas and they're, they've got a million dollars in their bank account. They still drive a Honda because they don't care to show off what other people think. They just want a reliable car. But then no on the flip side, Steve, Steve no need for validation. Yeah. They do it for themselves. They're not exactly doing it for you. because they've, they're self-made, but the people who are billionaires out there who want to show off and want other people to think how great they are, which are most yeah. of the billionaires out there today, they're either inherited it, their daddy gave them the money. They 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 married into the wealth or like, you know, the Walmart kids or something. They they were bored into the wealth and they're going to go and show it off because they didn't earn that actually they didn't earn that money. So it's it's that's it's kind of different. Like compare like a guy like Bill Gates to Elon Musk, for example, Bill Gates. Yeah. Yeah. He's more self-made than Elon. Elon Musk inherited his money because his dad ran mines in South Africa and shit. So Elon Musk wants to show off how great I am. He wants attention from people. Bill Gates is low profile. Bill Gates, you don't hear nothing from him. He he's not even part of Microsoft anymore. So it's it's, it's comparing those two. So you want to be more like Bill Gates than Elon Musk and want to show off and go on social media and buy a social media platform to show off. So that's 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 kind of the mentality you have, and it's going to make you feel good about your results in the process too. So Mobster, talk a little bit about that and talk about logs and journaling and all that good stuff. Right, so one of the things I've touched on in, just now when I was talking to Steve then on the podcast, and I said about the zero need for validation, right? And yet, earlier in the podcast, I'm talking about world records as an example, Steve. But ultimately, who are you doing these things for, right? It shouldn't be for the need, in my opinion, and I think you'll find this is true of a lot of champions, and ironically, when they become a champion, there's an argument to be said that they get in validation, but it's the journey there and what drove them there, and we're going to get into that as well. So, for example, no one, if you get up early, if you're like one of them Rocky-type boxers, Steve, that gets up at the crack of dawn, and you're, it's like one of those old black-and-white movies where the coach is out in front of you on a bicycle, it's pouring down the rain, it's freezing cold, who's shouting and cheering for you then? No one. You had to get yourself out of bed in the morning. So that kind of end game championship, the ring, the... The title belt, maybe there's an argument for validation at the end. But the journey that gets you there, what gets you to become a champion and the mindset you should have to become a champion is when you're getting up at the crack of dawn and doing those 10 miles to get in the shape for the fight or whatever else it is that you're your target and your aspirations for. And no one's cheering, no one's shouting. And in fact, Steve, you and I know this, sometimes your friends don't want you to do those things. And it's ironically, it's because A, it puts them, it makes them uncomfortable. So there's no validation from there. They, they don't like the fact that you're getting into shape. They don't like the fact that you're doing this and they can't find the time or whatever else and got a bunch of excuses. So 
you should not do it with a pat on the back. Now, if you get that, it's a bonus. But do it for yourself above everything else. Because not all of you that are doing these things, even with this mindset, is going to get a world record or become a champion. But you'll be stronger or leaner or faster or a better fighter than you was before. Right. What about now, Steve? Planning for success. Now, I recently had a person that I was prepping for a competition in the Arnold. He came to me because he knew that I was, quote, unquote, a grip expert. So we would have these kind of mentoring mindset type conversations. But at the same time, the, probably the first thing that I did within a day or two talking to him about coaching him was literally right at a training program. Guys, look around you. Go to any gym in the country, and I mean hardcore as well as the most Planet Fitness type gym, uh, big chain gym, uh, spa type place you can think of. And I would guarantee for money, 80% of those people there are going to the gym. That's what they tell people they're doing. They do stuff in the gym, but do they have a plan? Now, you've got apps, you've got logs, you've got a physical, I've, I physically write stuff down as well as put it online and that is me planning for success i will look at uh, training i will look at what other people are doing i'll do a little bit of background research for myself the guy that i was working with has picked the brains of a couple of the guys that he competed against in the us at the arnold so we're doing we're, we're we are trying to encourage in those people that we coach and in ourselves and in you the listeners the habits that pros and champions have. And what do they have? It would be things like keeping a log. It might be a simple notebook. It might be old school. It might be literally writing down, I want to win the championships up on the wall. I've even done that, Steve. I've literally wrote down the world record up on the wall and then underneath what sets I was doing, in felt tip, it was my wall, I can do what I like, or on a chalkboard, or the old Rocky thing of having the person's face and stuck underneath the mirror and you can see them to look at and hate them every single day to get your mind in the right place. Or Rocky again, going up to some place in Russia and and Rocky Four running up in the snow and lifting logs and whatever. It was literally planning. He went to where he needed to go. He trained in old school. His his coach was there. He's taken his team with him and all that kind of stuff. So we, it's a movie. Obviously, it's exaggerated. But what is he doing? He's doing exactly what he needs to do. He's preparing himself and planning in the best possible way for where I need to be at the end of my prep, for where I need to be at the end of my fight preparation, my contest preparation, whatever. He's making sure that those things are in place. If it's a bodybuilder, Steve, it might be something like pre-ordering your meal prep food. How many weeks to the competition? 12 weeks, right. I'm going to order a 12-week prep program for food done to my specifications with my coach helping me from this meal prep company. Let's do that now. Let's get the credit card out now. It might be going out and buying a notepad and writing down on the last page of the book where you need to be in 12 weeks' time. And then page one, where I am now, where I need to be in a few months or so on. So one of the things, for example, I've done, this is true of lots of mindsets of successful people, is short, medium, and long-term goals. And someone like myself or Steve on a consult would help you work out realistic goals that we know that you can hit if you put the work in. And in a way, Steve, you're planning to succeed because you've hit me up, because you've hit Steve's me up, because you've, these are just the things that you're doing. 
and is literally planning for success. A silly example, guys, would be putting money to one side every single day or every week or every month between now and Christmas. January the 1st, I need this much money for next Christmas. So what are you doing? You're planning to have the money in 12 months' time when Christmas comes around. That's the same thing you're doing when it goes to planning for success in the gym, planning for success in an athletic endeavor. You're literally baby steps all the way there, but you've made sure to write out what you're doing, put the things into practice. You are It's not the old piss-poor preparation thing, Steve, the three Ps or whatever else. You have prepared and planned. And P is one of those that planning is super, super, super important. Back to you. Yeah, we talked about it earlier, motivation. Uh, one of the most important things of champions is they get motivated. Why did – how do these guys like they make so much money in the NFL? Look at Tom Brady, for example. He made so much money. I use Tom Brady because he's a perfect example. He doesn't need to play for money anymore, but he see keep he keep kept coming back, kept coming back, kept coming out. What would make someone do that is he's got a chip on his shoulder and he wants to prove he wants to win more Super Bowls. He wants to yeah. do more. It's the same thing in bodybuilding. You see these professionals, they keep coming back and coming back. You've got to give a lot of respect for these guys. Arnold, Ronnie Coleman, Jay Cutler, the bodybuilder. These guys that have come back year after year after year to defend their title. And by God, they did it. You know, And they, they come back and the other guys there know yeah, this guy's going to go, you know what? We're playing for second place. Tiger Woods in golf, when he was at his peak, guys would show up for golf tournaments. Oh, Tiger Woods playing this golf tournament, so I'm going to shoot for second place. That's my goal. I don't. I might as well not even shoot for first place. Those are what champions do. Champions, they, they put other people on notice. Tom Brady, when he was in the league, you know, with the New England Patriots, every other team in that division knew they were playing for second place when he was playing. And then when he went to the Bucks, every team knew, yeah, we're playing for second place because he's there. So that's the type of mentality, too, you need to have. And you need to motiv be motivated to come back, even through injuries. All these bodybuilders have de dealt with injuries, and they've come back. How many people deal with injuries that you know in person, and they don't come back? You run into them years later – they have some type of illness or something, and they're like, they gain like 100 pounds. Like, what happened there? Because they didn't have it to come back. They don't have that in their brain. So you have to build that. There's it, a lot of things. For me, I'll, I'll give you a simple thing that really motivates me. It's music. I love good music. 90%, 95% of music out there is shit to me. I'm very, very picky when it comes to music. I'm a picky person. I'm picky with women. I'm picky with movies. I'm picky with a lot of things. But music, <laughs> if I find a good song, like yeah. I'm listening to the, the satellite radio, serious satellite radio, and I come up across a good song or something, I'm saving that song. I'm coming home. I'm downloading it and putting it on my little thing. And I'm taking it with me to the gym. I'm going to jam to it while I work out. That motivates me. Good music motivates me. So it could be something as simple as that. That motivate. Now, some of you out there, it might be clothing. It might be shoes. Going and buying new shoes, going and buying new clothes. That motivates you because you feel good when you're wearing good clothes. Appearance is important, right? You go to the gym. We can't go work out naked. We got to wear clothes. So you might as well wear something that you like, something that you look good in. That might be your motivation to go work out. 
you know so there's uh, everyone has their their little thing that they like uh to that gets them motivated okay and it can be something as weird as shoes or music or clothes yeah. or something else yeah. or it could be something more that we've built over time um i love competition like i've always been i'm a very competitive person even if we, we get together on the beach to do beach volleyball okay i get together with some people i'm competitive i'm only five foot six okay but damn if you fucking put a, a ball up in the air i'm jumping up and i'm spiking that shit in your face i'm competitive okay so that's that's me i have that competitive drive now, not everybody has that. So, I mean, it's going to be hard for you to do it. But being consistent and having that type of motivation to be motivated to go to the gym and deal with the grind, is it has to be there. And it has to come from inside. So you have to kind of set a goal of what you want to accomplish and envision it and go get it. And nothing is going to stay in your, in your way. Go ahead, Mobster. Yeah. So I described this in the pre-show to Steve as what I call red button moments. And there's been a bunch I can think of, Steve, but I, I've done this when you and I have had pre-show chats before. And I've said, the example was I would have uh, conversations with guys that come to the gym and we were really, really good. This is in my back of my days of training with the strong men that were working out on TV and, and been regular competitions and stuff. And we'd have people travel down to train with us. And sometimes they come for four hours driving just to come and train with us and in fact the the fella that was on world strongest man used to go down from where i lived in gloucester to wembley which is two and a half two and three quarter hour drive just to go to squat in this one gym so i would have these guys come and we would sometimes it would just be getting someone else's really good technique to come over to show them all the little tricks and nuances of a technique but that's that's the actual practical stuff but we're talking about the mindset so i'd have these conversations with these guys and i say you need to have something in your brain in your heart, in your guts, to hang this shit on. Now, you can't go full balls out turbo all the time. And in fact, I don't want you to do that from day one, but it needs to come towards the end of the training cycle and obviously on the day of competition. So the analogy that I use, and I don't want to sound insulting, guys, because it doesn't really matter what it is. It's going to be yours and yours alone. And I would say to them, I don't care if it's a gay Greek poem some random story, some fictional book, some some great tragedy elsewhere, some great tragedy in your life. So the classic example is the house is burning down. And I think Eddie Hall did this with 500 kilo deadlift. And he would touch on it a little bit, but he, he was also deliberately kept it mostly secret because he needed to have that hook and he didn't want no one else to have that hook or use it against him. And if it, But it was along the lines of, his kids were being sexually assaulted. It was kind of fucked up. And the hypnotist or the, the motivator that was working for him knew what it was and would literally go over and say, now that's the moment, Eddie, and whisper in his ear, this little hook, this little line, this little phrase, somebody out there is doing something, Eddie, you need to destroy them. And I think Eddie did a podcast and he said something like, when I did the 500 kilo deadlift, as I was approaching the bar, if that thing had happened in front of me, you would have had to send 20 or 30 policemen to stop me. I would have gone through them and I would have killed the person. He needed that. That's how crazy fucked up Eddie Hall needed to be in his mind to pull 500 kilos when the best that anybody had done before, which was Eddie, was 467. So I said to guys, and I've actually found out what these hooks are, what these red button moments are, and I've used them in the appropriate and right place. But ultimately, it comes down to stuff. I'll very quick example just for myself, Steve. I've had stuff where I got beaten by the tiniest of margins the year before. And the person that beat me had been a rival. 
a friend, a mentor. But my mind was like, how did you, this tiny little margin, I lost by this tiny little margin. So what happened the next year, Steve, is I went balls out, and there was other stuff as well, but balls out to fuck him up. And I'd won the competition when we was only halfway through. I think there's five events. And by the time we got to the third event, Steve, he was done because the next two events were mine. I won the first. I was super close with him on the second. I won the third. He's looking at his plan. He knows he cannot win. He knows that if he does his absolute best, I will beat him. He looks at his notes and he knows he's beaten. And I know that I've won. And we've still got two solid events to go, nearly three events to go. It's over. And I know I'm, and I beat him by just under 21 points instead of just under three points the year before. So it's that kind of situation, Steve. One more thing on that before we go, guys. So one of the things Steve and I were talking about is that you have different people from different backgrounds come to different sports. And a great example would be David Beckham or even the golfer, Tiger Woods, that uh, Steve mentioned. Both of these guys were doing their stuff when they were kids not putting a ball around or kicking a football around when they were five and six. Their dads, their parents were kind of driven. Maybe they had a kind of issue for themselves and they were driven to make their children perform at a certain level. And one of the things that Steve and I were talking about when it comes to a lot of competitive sports, and we were talking about the NFL as a great example, that some of the best athletes, regardless of ethnic background or whatever else, come from poor backgrounds, come from downtrodden backgrounds, come from less than idle circumstances. And the reason why they end up succeeding because they have the same genetics as the rich athlete who had a great background, a, a great upbringing. Why do they succeed as the downtrodden or whatever you want to call it background versus the one who's had it better in life? It's because they got something to hang their guts onto, to drive them. I never want to be poor again. I never want, I want the absolute best I could possibly provide for my family. I, 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 I want recognition. Maybe their mum and dad didn't look at them properly when they were kids. Maybe they come from a horrible, horrible background where no one loved them or whatever else. And the only way they get that love is out on the field by scoring touchdowns or whatever else. It doesn't matter what that thing is, but I would tell you that if you've come from any kind of background like that versus a great, wonderful, super lovely upbringing, I would, and you've got the same genetics, I will nine times out of ten put my money, Steve, on the guy from that rough background. What do you think? Yeah, and, and you know, it goes back to what I say before. Um, when you don't have to work for it and, you know, your whole life, then what's your incentive to push? You know, it's kind of like, it's, it's one of those things, it's kind of like the tortoise versus the hare story. Um, and the hare played around, you know, and the tortoise just was slow and steady and he ended up getting to the finish line before the hare did. And that's because the, the tortoise, you know, he never gave up. He just, he wasn't, he didn't get cocky. So he just, he had his goals and he, and he went from it. So um, you'll see a lot of times in, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta, um, you'll see a lot of times the, the, the people who have the wealthier background, they become philanthropists because that's their way. That's their way to give back. And those are the, the people I have a lot of respect for. You know, they come from a good background. They want to help others because they've been gifted, you know, um, a situation where you don't have to worry about money. So helping others is, is a beautiful thing. So um, in, in, in fitness, it's the same thing. Um, if you've been gifted incredible genetics, 
um, or you've been gifted an opportunity where you get to uh, work out at the best facilities, you know, it's always a good idea to help others and kind of spread your knowledge. And, you know, that's a big part of what we do on here in Mobster and I is we we spread our knowledge yeah. to others as well. So because we've been gifted the opportunity to to do this podcast. Yes. And that's something that we're grateful for. And this is a, something that we want to do to spread knowledge. And we hope you guys continue to spread knowledge as well. And one of the things a lot of people come to me who want one on one consultations and um, you can always get a hold of me, Steve SMI on, on the forums. We get a consultation going. It's just for motivation, you know. Yeah. And um, so, in the end, if all these tools that we're providing you aren't quite a good fit, you can always hire someone to to coach. You know, you can hire a personal trainer and work with them, and um, and they can kind of motivate you to get to the gym this way. Because if you're paying someone money then that's going to be a motivating factor. But like, well, I'm paying all this yep. money. I might as well use it, you know? So your gym membership, you pay every month, right? And if you don't feel like you're getting your money's worth, then that's, you know, that's a way to motivate you, right? Because you're going to go to, want to go work out of the gym, take advantage of it. So officer, finish out with that and we'll uh, go to the disclaimer, yeah. Yeah. Final example, guys. And I actually did this probably by forcing my own wonderful personality, says modestly. There was a bunch of girls in the gym one time, Steve, and they were doing one of those things. I think the hanging leg raise type thing or, or the one where you're on the dipping thing with your elbows and you're bringing again your knees up or your legs out straight. And one of the girls I was talking to at the time was a powerlifter. There was a bunch of other girls there and they all knew each other. But for some particular reason, girls like that, it's pretty girls, they're surprisingly competitive. And I, of course, stirred the pot by saying something like, I wonder if the rest of you can do as well as and the next thing you do, we had a 20-minute thing where they were trying to outlast with the legs out straight, the person that could do it the longest and whatever else. You know what happens if they end up having a kick-ass session, doing something they wasn't going to do with their abs sore as hell the next day just because of the competitive nature. So yeah, it's just that kind of thing, guys. If you can do it, male, female, disabled, not disabled, I don't care where you come from, what your background is, if you can find that thing, and we've got a bunch of other stuff we could do in this, this, this mindset, Steve, as you know, I'd love to do a part two or a part three. There's so many things you can do to make your workouts, every single one, get you to hit your goals by having your mind set in the right place, hooking up, doing the positive stuff that we've talked about. So, guys, please put your comments down. Give us some suggestions. We've got a bunch of other things, like I said already, we could do to add to this. I was a great podcast. I really enjoyed it, Steve. I love this subject. Please note, we're not doctors and the opinions are ours. It's our view and it's based on our experience and views on the topic. A podcast for informational purposes and entertainment only. The freedom of speech and the First Amendment applies.